You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. This morning, I have a word from the Lord for you. I have a word. Grace gives rest. Grace gives rest. Everybody say grace gives rest. Say it like you mean it. Grace gives rest. Hallelujah. Now, if you read John chapter 1, you would realize that John started right from Genesis where he speaks to the fact that Jesus is God and that everything that was created, Jesus is the reason. Hallelujah. So right from the beginning, John brought us into focus as to the reason for living, the reason for life. Now, what John is trying to tell us is that everything that is written in the Bible and everything that pre-existed, that is existing, that will exist, Jesus is the reason. And that everything and everybody else must focus on this reason. On this reason. Now, now what he wants to tell us is that so far as we focus on Jesus, the reason for living, there is something that comes with Jesus. It's called grace. And this grace that comes from Jesus will give us everything we need to be able to achieve the reason for living. So all that was sought to do from Genesis through to Revelation is to focus on this reason, Jesus. And we will receive grace to be able to live for this reason. Hallelujah. So if you read John chapter 2, you realize that John starts with Jesus' miracle at a wedding in Cana of us read that scripture and we read it for weddings. But it is an extension of the true application of that scripture. Because that scripture reveals to us the new life 
the new covenant. And I'll teach on that one of these days. But you see that there were six large pots that were used for cleansing. That Jesus asked them to fill with what? Water. So right from John chapter 2, John started processing and telling us how cleansing will lead to a new life. Through Jesus, who has cut this new covenant. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you getting it? Then he comes to John chapter 3 and then addresses Lazarus. All right, and speaks about, sorry, Nicodemus, being born again. And he speaks about water baptism. Hello? And in John chapter 3 downwards, he also speaks about water being cleansed, being the cleansing power from sin. Hello? So you can see that John is progressing when he even got to John chapter 2 and meets a lady at the well. And talking about this young lady, he said, well, you have five husbands and all of that. Go and bring your husband. The lady said, I don't have a husband. Then she said, you have this many husbands. Hey. This many husbands. And so Jesus introduced himself as the new husband. Why? When you have this new husband, you will not seek for any other husband. And by the cleansing of his water that comes from the well, as you drink, You'll be satisfied. You will feel fulfilled. You don't need any other water. You need his water. Jesus presents himself as the bridegroom of the church. The husband of the church. Are you getting the point? Am I speaking? So the woman went after drinking of his water and said, come, I've seen you. Because she was now satisfied. You will be satisfied. Then Jesus moved to five. And there also, John talks about the pool of Bethesda. Hello? A lot of people who are lying by a pool of water. So you must be asking yourself, what is this cleansing business? What is this water business? This is not pure water. So it's not pure water business. The cleansing power 
of God has come down on earth. Hallelujah. And every man, every woman needs this cleansing power. You can't do without him. So I am going to look together with you at exactly what happened in John chapter 5. And I know we have read this scripture, we have heard it preached several times. But I want us to go through this scripture and find out exactly what this scripture means for you and I. And you will jump into the skies. And you will thank God for Jesus. And you will thank God for your life. And you will live in rest because grace has found you. Now let's read together. Go. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethsaida having five porches. Hello. So Jesus went up to Jerusalem and headed straight to the sheep gate. For those of us who have been coming to the Wednesday teaching service, I'm sure the moment you saw the sheep gate, you had understanding. So do we leave our other friends to then we are not applying grace. So let grace find them. <laughs> but next time, we will not. Because you have to be here. Praise God. Now, in Nehemiah, we'll come back to verse 2 again. Take me to Nehemiah. Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priest, and built the sheep gate. So they consecrated it and hung its doors. The sheep gate represents the gate of salvation. All of us are sheep. Is that true? And the Lord Jesus becomes our word shepherd. The sheep gate was built by the what? High priest. And Jesus is the permanent high priest to come and make atonement for us once and for all. So the sheep gate is the place of salvation where we enter. And listen to me very carefully. It says that at that gate, it was consecrated. It didn't have locks with it. It is free. All the other gates, if you study the gates of Jerusalem, all the other gates had locks. But this gate, oh my word, is for free. Nobody is stopped from entering. When he calls you, you enter. You don't pay a dime. It is not locked on you. It is free. 
So the sheep gate is the place of atonement. The place of salvation. Jesus who is the typification of the man who opens the sheep gate went up to Jerusalem to the sheep gate. Hello. And the place of the sheep gate is, is called Bethesda. House of mercy. And has five porches. And the number five is the number of grace. So it is the place where grace finds you. And Jesus, who epitomizes grace, who is grace, goes to that place. Hello. Now, let's go to verse 3. Let's see the kind of people. In this lay a great multitude of sick people. Check this. Multitude of what? So they've given us the general overview of the kind of people. Sick people. When you are an unbeliever, you are sick. Hello. Sick people. And then he gives categories. Blind. Lame. Paralyzed. Waiting for the moving of the water. Oh God. Thank you. That our wait is over. Hello. They were waiting for the moving of water. The one who moves the water just came there. And this time it's not going to be by chance. It's not going to be by the law. It's going to be by grace. Listen to me. Who is saying that you have to wait to find rest? Your waiting is over. You have found rest in Christ Jesus. Grace has found you. So you are no more waiting. Listen, if you are waiting in Christ Jesus, you have already found rest before you start waiting. That is what you didn't know. You are waiting in agony and in anxiety. But that is for the unbeliever. You have found rest. So now, you know your situation already. You know your future already. So when you are waiting, you wait in relaxation. Are you getting it? As a Christian, you finished before you started. The multitude of sick people waiting for the moving of the water. What did Jesus come to do? Next. 
For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first, after the stirring of the water, was made well, and whatever disease he had. Hello? Hey, hello? So first come. That is not your portion. When grace is working, it doesn't know first come, first said. Hello. Jesus. Do you know who you are? Who said you have to come first? Before. No, 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 no. He meets you where you are. Right there. First come, first help. Now, look at where Jesus went to. Now, a certain man was there who had what? An infirmity for how many years? Watch this. Jesus saw a lot of sick people. And he left all of them and went to one particular man who had been there for how many years? 38 years. Why is he there for 38 years? I think the scripture explains it. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long, a long, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Hello? What did the man say? Uh, uh, um, um, let's read this one. Go. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, that is how the law works. First come. <laughs> hey, I didn't know that God was that stingy? Are you getting the scenario? When David said, in him are multitudes of what? Mercy. God is the storehouse of goodness. As a matter of fact, God's major attribute is that he is good. And God will see a lot of sick people. And then says, the one who steps in is the one who Is salvation there? The sick people represent salvation. And they need the Savior. And some people have taken over. And when they decide you can have it, then you can have it. 
So it comes by their manipulation how you can be saved. And they have made their laws how you can step into the water and receive your salvation. And so salvation for there is not guaranteed for everybody. So this man has been there for 38 years. Take us to Deuteronomy. Let's read it. Go. At the time, we took to come from Kadesh Barnea until we crossed over to the valley of the Zered. Until all the generation of the men of war was consumed from the midst of the camp, just as the Lord has sworn to them. What is this verse referring to? It's, it's referring to Israel coming out of Egypt. And when they came out of Egypt, God promised them rest in Canaan. And God sent that they should go and spy the land. And he said, I am giving you this land for free. You don't have to earn it. And it is a certification of our salvation. That I am taking you into rest. Jesus is going to come. And when Jesus comes, you don't need to work to be saved. It is for free. You need to find rest in this Jesus. But they did not believe it. And because of that, they wandered for 38 years. Hello? Hey, are you here with me at all? So for 38 years, they were wandering in the land. Going runabout. Going runabout. So the young man who has been there for 38 years is a representation of Israel. <laughs> Not finding rest. Working the law. Hello. Charlie, the word of God is sweet too. Working, the, the, working the, that's the, so the guy is because men have now taken over and they are manipulating. So, oh, but thank God Jesus came on the scene and he went straight and said, Listen, the time of Israel wandering in the land, the Gentiles wandering in the land is over. As I pick this man, I'm going to pick Fifi. I'm going to pick James. I'm going to pick Susan. I'm going to pick, and everybody is coming out to find rest for free. So, Zered marks the end of the 38 years, just like the man at the pool. Jesus said, the man, the reason for living has come. And he has come to the pool of grace. So that he showcases that man who had been there for 38 years to typify that Israel, who went through the wilderness for 38 years, and then after 38 years, they entered the promised land. 
So has he come right now to fulfill that promise of rest that was given to Israel. What Israel saw was not rest. It was a temporary rest. The real deal is now here. Just like he brought the wandering to an end, he has also brought the wandering of the world to an end. You are not in the desert. Stop wandering because you are not in the desert. Rest has found you. Hello? I said rest has found you. Rest has found you. Now, let's go to the next verse. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. When you see emphatic, specific words in the Bible, don't take them for granted. Jesus said, rise. Take up your bed. Where do you rest in your house? My bedroom. Jesus said, rise. Take up your rest. <laughs> and walk. Hello? You have lived in unrest for 38 years. Rise. Your bed, your place of rest, and begin to walk. Somebody, listen to me. The day you Jesus, you took your bed, you took your rest. You must walk in rest, live in rest, eat in rest, because you have rest in Christ Jesus. Don't live in unrest. Don't let the devil stress you because you have found eternal rest. Take up your rest. And walk. So you are no more going to live a life of unrest. You are now walking the walk of rest. May Christians know who we are. That's why Jesus asked them, why do you worry? Why do you worry? He said, you worry for nothing. Leave that to the Gentiles, to the unbelievers. Because you are to walk in rest. Take up your bed. Take up your bed. Take up your rest. And walk. And walk. Let's go to the next verse. And immediately, the man was made well. And look at, it's instructive. It, it, it tells you, listen, he took up his bed and did what? Immediately. Listen, and that's how salvation does it. It is not, you don't postpone your rest. You don't wait till you get the next job and you rest. The guy just listened and obeyed. He took up his rest and started walking. What Jesus was trying to tell us is this. This thing is not just a literal meaning. 
Tell me wherever. Jesus healed somebody who was lying and told them, take your, and, and, and. no. Blind Bartimaeus, what did he do? He left his garment. And that one also has its own significance. He left his identity of shame. But with this guy, he was asked to take his bed. In other words, you are no more living in that place of unrest anymore. Right now, you can rest in grace. And walk. And walk. Walk. Somebody, you are walking away from unrest. Walk into rest. Watch this. And that day was what? What is the meaning of Sabbath? <laughs> Jesus healed him on the day of what? Rest. Signifying that all I am trying to let Israel and the world know is that their day of rest has come. They have ceased from their own works. They are now resting in my work. Hello. Now, watch what is going to happen right now. The Jews therefore said to him, who was cured, it is Sabbath. Uh-huh. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. <laughs> Are you getting it? So you see, the law comes and says you can't take your rest because the law seeks to burden you. And to put the yoke on your neck. So for 38 years, lie there. But you are not lying in rest. You are lying in unrest. You are lying in pain. You are lying in agony. You are lying in mockery. You are lying in confusion. You are lying in every other thing that you don't like. And they are fine with that. Because that's where you belong for them. That's where they get to rule. That's where they get to manipulate you. So straight away when the person was given permanent rest, they brought in their own kind. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. Now that the guy is carrying his rest, they said, Sabbath, Carrying your bed is work. <laughs> Carrying your bed is work. Haven't you seen them telling you a lot of things? When I preach these messages, you yourself sit down and you don't even know what I'm talking about. That you have ceased from your own works. 
But when you go and they tell you that you are condemned, just like they are telling him, you agree. When I tell you by his word that you are, you are free, and they tell you you are not free, but look at the answer of this young man. He answered them. He who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Jesus. So tell me, who set you free? Who gave you your rest? When they ask you and they call you a sinner and they call you and condemn you and they call you the most shameful and they put their labels on you, tell them the one who made me well has given me rest and I choose to walk in that rest. I don't care about what you say. I don't care about what you feel. All I know is the one who has made me free and has given me rest told me to live in rest. When you hear teachings that put you into the law, tell yourself, get out. The one who set me free has given me my rest. When you go to the office and they begin to tell you stuff, tell yourself, I don't take what you are saying. The one who made me free is the one who asked me to take my rest. The reason for living, the reason for life, Jesus, who is God, said he has given me rest. Who are you? Who are you? If you are not careful, the Pharisees and the Sadducees they will bring you back into bondage. Straight after the man was giving rest, you see what they met him with. When you, listen, the moment you leave outside and you get outside, somebody will want to make you feel guilty. When you know you have been made Tell them I am not. The one who has given me rest says I am free. He who the son makes free is free not in word, in deed. Indeed. Indeed. Let's go to the next verse. They asked him, who is the man? The man is in capital. Is that right? Who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Can you see that the whole thing is about taking up your bed and walk? Taking up. It tells you how significant that phrase is. The moment somebody attacks you, 
and attacks your relationship, your fellowship with God, tell them, I've taken up my bed and I'm walking. Let it be your phrase. <laughs> I've taken up my bed. I'm walking. Don't let anybody make you lie at the pool for 38 years and not yet enter. Yeah. Not enter. Many of us are lying at the sheep gate, salvation, and yet we are in unrest. We have been saved, though, but we are not free. We have been saved, but we feel guilty. We have been saved, but we feel ashamed. Who told you that? It's a lie from the pit of hell. Watch this. But the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had not withdrawn. A multitude being in that place. Jesus had withdrawn. A multitude being in that place. So Jesus actually was using this as a case study. Because there were multitudes there. But he withdrew because what he came to show you and I is done. With this young man. Are you getting the point? That no matter how much you've been wondering for 38 years, just like the Israelites wondered before they entered the promised land, every wondering ceased. And you have taken your rest. Just like this young man who had his rest right now. So Jesus withdrew. And the man didn't even know it was Jesus. Can you believe it? The guy didn't know it was Jesus and he still believed he has rest. And then you And then you. And then you. Look at the guy's response. Go to the next verse. Look at his response. Afterward, where did Jesus find him? Oh, Jesus. The guy went to show gratitude. Wherever grace is, gratitude goes. And glory goes to God. They go, the three go together. Grace, gratitude, glory. And I told you that the word for gratitude, if you find grace, charis is in the middle of that same Greek word for gratitude. Wherever grace goes, gratitude goes. He was found in the temple. Watch this. Jesus said to him, see, you have been made free, you have been made well. What? Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. I'm sure the Pharisees will come here. They will come here. Said Jesus is also practicing the law. Jesus is saying, so now you have been saved. If you sin again, the worst thing will come upon you. Now listen. Since the Pope was saved, I don't know. He has not sinned before. So you mean Jesus is saying that if the guy sinned, the worst thing will come upon him. 
Is that what Jesus said? So, you see, you see scriptures like this in the Bible and say, that's why most of us walk in condemnation. Because you've condemned yourself already. What did I do? I have lost my salvation. Salvation is not a feeling. The blood of Jesus does not joke. The blood of Jesus does not clean you for a minute. And then the moment you make mistakes, the blood of Jesus says, I won't wash you again. Then the blood is not powerful like we thought it is. Then you don't know the blood. Watch this. What was the sin of this young man? Watch the sin. The sick man answered him, Say, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. He is at the pool of grace. But his focus was not on grace. His focus was on another man. That has been the problem. Because the man is not focusing on grace. At the pool of grace, at the pool of Bethesda, he was looking for a man. Most of us are doing the same thing. Whatever you are going through is because your eye is not on grace. Your eye is on another man. You are waiting for another man to help you when grace is available. Anytime you take your eye off Jesus and you focus on men, that becomes the problem. Man. That is operating the law. Listen to me very carefully. Jesus, grace, will always provide a man. Hello? That's why Jesus himself became man. Hello? But listen to me. You don't know that man. Grace will provide him. Anytime you focus on men, you forfeit the grace of God. Anytime you look at people, the man said to Jesus, when grace was even standing before him, he was still looking for another man. I don't have any man. The money will come. The peace is yours. Why haven't you started that thing? I don't have any man. 
Hello. I don't have any man. I don't have any man. That has been your constant answer. Why are you where you are when my father died? The day my father died, my life ended. <laughs> People have taken your focus when grace should be your focus. So Jesus told the man, if you focus on people, you are going to be worse. You are going to be worse. If you focus on people, you are going to be worse. Focus on me. And everything else will come to you. Focus on me. Listen. The moment the young man knew he had rest, he went to the temple. His focus was now on him. Until you know you have rest, you can't focus on him. You will focus on people. You focus on the atmosphere. You focus on the external. You focus on things around you. You focus on what people are saying. But when you have rest, you focus on him. And when you focus on him, all things shall be added. The Lord bless you. Praise, glorious praise. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth.